Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and before we get started, I would like to thank my listeners for listening, and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers, Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and... Damien Keller, author, <laughs> author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, just go to everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find a bunch of information there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Jill Thomas. She is a hypnotherapist. She has uh, something going on called Soul Connect Hypnotherapy. And she also has written a book called what, Tale of the Trance. Tales from the Trance. That's close. My publisher would kill me if I didn't correct you. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I want to uh, use all of your contributors' services because they all sound really interesting, and I definitely want that book. It's not worse. It's it's not. Oh, it's, it's not, not aliens. aliens. It's worse. That just sounds it's awesome. Us. That's just such a great title. I just have to buy that book just <laughs> to pay homage to an author who would come up with a title like that. That's I, all. That's awesome. I'm just yeah. Actually, great. Jared, Jared is a genius. Is he? Yeah, I yeah. love that. And he Even just better. signed. He just signed a three book deal with uh, Inner Traditions. Really? Yeah. Yes, now I am definitely doing the we're not worthy dance here. That's great. Good for him. And he, as an author, I can definitely appreciate the work that goes into that. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. So um, first question. Mm-hmm. How do you know people have souls? Ooh, ah, wow. Right into the deep end of the pool. How do I know people have souls? <laughs> Maybe it's that no other explanation makes any sense. And I suppose you could philosophically say that you're not, you know, you want to define souls in a lot of different ways, but I would think of it as the energy of being the energy, the spark of light that goes into animating this body, which would basically be a mummy if we didn't have that. So, yeah, I think that's this. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going to say, how do we know we have souls? I would say that's it. I would also say though, having met I was actually interacting with an AI, I, not that interesting. It was like Walmart's website. It was something like that. And and I was trying to tune in intuitively to figure out why this person was not giving me the right answer to my question, which is like a simple, like, how do I get my package kind of question? And I realized that I couldn't, there was nothing to tune into. So that's when I realized, ah, I'm messing with a robot and they're besting me in this argument. Oh, wow. So do you think this sometimes happens with humans? Do you think there are AI or cloned humans that are soulless. I mean, I know I've come across quite a few people in my life. I'm like, no soul here. That's a good question. I would say that somebody else, one of my clients once asked me if there was such a thing as non-playable characters in the video game world. There's these characters that you can't play. They're just like giving information. I would say that that is possibly true. But what my experience has been, because I'm thinking of one particular person who when I tune in, there's just not much there. Um, 
I think maybe people who are on their way into transitioning into their next life, or perhaps they're living in more than one body and they're putting more energy in one of the other bodies might feel as though they're but for me to be able to say that they really are or not is hard to say. But I will say, you know, the intuitive beings, when all of us are, and anybody listening to your show who would be drawn to it is very intuitive, you're going to be able to tell when something doesn't feel right or doesn't feel like there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would definitely say go with that. But I can't, I don't know, I couldn't say if it's actually cloned or not. That would be really interesting. That would be an interesting conversation. Yeah, I always wonder if everybody I meet is actually human and has a soul. Hmm. It's just one of those weird things that, just goes through my mind sometimes. That is weird. And I'm going to guess you've watched The Matrix many times. Only a couple. It's awesome. It's but, a but, great movie. But, Only uh, a couple, really? But The X-Files. I, I, so you can oh, see by the poster the behind me. Love I've watched it. every X, every episode of The X-Files at least three or four times. Love it, love it, love it. Anything that makes you think in those terms, absolutely up on my list. Very much so. So... Um, Let's start from the beginning then. What got you into hypnotherapy? What made you go down this path rather than something else? Uh, When I was in high school, I'm sure you've heard this story before. We had a grad night and there was a a performer who was doing hypnosis tricks on stage. It was stage hypnosis, which is basically really is a trick. It's like a parlor trick, but they get the got the most popular kids in school to do some crazy things. And I watched him do it. And I watched him what I thought he was taking over the bodies of these people. But in reality, I because I know what I, I know what he was doing. I know he wasn't doing that. I watched it and I was like, I'm in, I want in, I want in. I want to learn how he did that because I can think of lots of really good ways that I can help people benefit from that. And that's when I first started taking classes. I didn't do it for money forever. The first 10 years, I was just reading every book, mm-hmm. watching every video. At the time, VHS, I mean, that's how old I am, but there were VHSs where you could buy, in fact, the guy that gave our performance at school, I bought his VHS tapes. I learned how to do it. And so for the first 10 years, it was just for fun. Like every person I knew got a better golf game, a bunch of my friends lost weight. I was just doing it for fun. And I thought, this is so super cool. But as you start to do more and more of it and you get more into the spiritual side of it, you get to see that when you do particularly like past life progressions, you get to go into the deeper, more esoteric things. And it's a lot, it can be a lot of fun to go beyond just fears and phobias and trying to lose 20 pounds. Right. Have you read any of the Dolores Cannon's work? Oh, my publisher's going to kill me because they publish her books. I haven't read too many of them. <laughs> I've read the first couple of chapters of several of the books. Yeah. I hope they're not going to be that mad at me for this, but um, they're good books. It's just that because I do that, I felt like I was reading what I already do. <laughs> I saw that client. I had that client last week too. I remember, you know, it's just, it was a little dull. And I felt the same way about Brian Weiss's books, um, Many Lives, Many Masters. Great books, great information. I would highly recommend reading it. But when you do this for a living, you're like, oh, I, I know that client. Oh, I think I saw him too. It's just a lot of the same thing. It can be a little dull. I don't know. Really? I I, I don't know. I, I like Convoluted Universe. It's really, I think, kind of strange. Is that a book? Yeah, it's should I put it on books. my list? Convoluted in. Okay, check that one out. I like that. Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, with the past life regression, um, well, one of the things, like first of all, like, like I know, like a lot of your work is around healing and in, in, mm-hmm. in dealing with trauma. Like personally, like I'm kind of a weird person, so like I kind of like, um, I, I reject the idea of trauma. 
because I feel like if I, if I say I'm traumatized, then that automatically puts me in a victim position. So rather than do that, I just say life has happened and I've kicked its ass. And that way I never feel any trauma. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, I, you have to think about in terms of the clients that are coming my way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are still sitting in the space of victim mode, and they so identify with that word trauma. I've had this trauma. And that's the only way they can describe this thing that happened. Uh, I might personally might say this terrible thing happened. It wasn't my fault. It's not what I would have liked to have happened. But now it is my job to heal it or help shift that energy so that I can see the situation differently. Um, but you're right. The semantics, the use of the word trauma does get people to be thinking in terms of this is my, you know, this is bad and I'm a victim. But from a client's perspective, the majority of the people do see it that way. So even though in a lot of ways I agree with you, I still have to use that word in my mm-hmm. languaging so that keep people who, are, who identify with it know what they're buying when they book a session with me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you're doing a session with somebody like that, do you try to steer them away from that idea that what they've dealt with is a trauma and more to um, – a success because we definitely help definitely help them see the positive or the growth in what has happened. Um, but in terms of steering them away from that word, I kind of have to meet clients where they are. If the client likes that word, it gives them, makes them feel empowered to, to think they're a victim of trauma. I'm not going to tell them they can't use it anymore, but when we're doing the healing work and going back to the event and reframing it, a lot of times with past life regression, you're going back to the original cause of an event that the client is considering trauma. Let's say, I don't know how many lifetimes ago they were burned at the stake, right? So you want to understand, you want to go in like a detective. Okay. What happened? What were the circumstances? What am I holding on to? What belief was created within the confines of that experience that is now manifesting as a problematic in this lifetime. So in a past life, if you were burned to the stake, which every healer was every healer listening to this at probably at one point had a lifetime when they were burned at the stake, you may have created the belief that it is not safe to do healing work. So in an unconscious level, what you want to do as a healer is help the client release that belief so that when they're coming back into this time frame or they're living this experience of, you know, 2021, even though the pandemic just happened, they're not experiencing, it isn't safe to do healing work, that they're not using that belief to keep them from doing powerful healing work that helps the world become a better place. Does that make sense? I don't know. You don't have to agree with me. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure if it makes sense or not. You know, That's right. um, you know, I, I had talked to people who will go back to um, prior to the incident and kind of almost like heal it before it actually happened. Mm-hmm. Type That's of another thing. way of doing it. Like, I've done like that before. rerouting yeah. sort of around yeah. that incident. Having um, a person imagine going down a different road. That happened actually seems to work better if you're doing something that happened in the current life because the past life can be deeply embedded and it's sometimes it's just easier to, to do that type of work in something like, a you know, let's say a car accident or a victim of, of a crime, for example. If you had that happen in 1970 when you were 20, you might go back and have yourself make a different decision across the street before you were approached by the perpetrator that can definitely change the energy of the situation. But I've tried that with past life regressions and we've had some success, but I find that that works a little bit better if it's in the current life. That's just been my experience. Interesting. Um, 
So with how, how many clients do you, how many times? It, uh, let's see how am I gonna phrase this. How often is trauma? What do you see more of trauma in past life or trauma in current life? Usually, it's more beneficial to deal with what's in front of you. So for most clients, they come to me because let's just say they're afraid of driving or they're afraid of getting on a plane and they have a career that they need to travel. Nine times out of 10, there's something very current life that we need to look at. Now, there may be tendrils of it in a past life, but most of the time, if we heal the original traumatizing event that happened in this lifetime, the problem will go away. It's somewhat rare to need to go back to a past life to actually heal something. Uh, the fear of flying is, is a great example because there, you know, it wasn't planes. Most people's past lives don't involve planes, right? So if you're looking at something like another real common one I see clients for, when people that interfere with their own financial success, generally there's current life beliefs or values that we want to help shift, usually from the family of origin, to work on in the current life. But there can be past life tendrils of this because of uh, vows of poverty. You know, those vows of poverty that were made when a person was a monastic, they're very powerful stuff. And sometimes those little bits of that will come into this lifetime where you may feel as though it's spiritually or morally wrong to accept payment for the things that you do. And in that case, going back to a past life can be very helpful. Interesting. I've never thought of that. Like I'm terrible with money. Uh, so I just reframe it. I just say, I don't like money. I'm against money, you know, and that's how I deal with my not wanting to deal with money is just to say that, Money is just a useless tool to enslave people. It's certainly one perspective of it. Another way of looking at it could be money is just energy and you're allowing yourself to be open to receive more of it than you're using. Uh, you know, I don't disagree with you about money being a, an aspect of enslavement, but with anything, you look, let's say you're looking at a cup. You know, if you look at it one way, you can see the chip and the little tiny chip that happened when it went into the washing machine. Or you can see that it's a beautiful glass cup and it holds liquid and it's, it does its job and it's very perfect. It's the glass half full, glass half empty. It's the same glass. Mm -hmm. But if we look at it in a different way, one way we might feel better about it. Another way we feel less empowered. For you, it sounds like looking at money and thinking of it as I, you know, it, I don't care about money. It's kind of a tool. Is it an empowering place for you to be? And I love when you say it, I can feel the, the energy around it for you. You feel very good from that perspective. That's helpful for you. Someone else might think of it that way, and, and that way of looking at it bothers them, makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, they're not ready to live out in the bush yet. Well, and whatever works for you, I mean, you kind of have to respect people where they mm -hmm. are. Not everybody is, is in that spiritual place of development of seeing that perspective on money the way you are. So from a client, client approaches me, I have to kind of come to them where they are because I'm not, not about trying to enforce my values and beliefs on someone else. It's more about helping them wherever they are, wherever that happens to be. Right. You want to give them the results that they Absolutely. Need. None of um, my business what, what their political <laughs> beliefs are unless they want to talk about it in session. Um, so most of these things, that difficulties that people face are usually going to be based around one emotion, and that is fear. Mm -hmm. Can you just hypnotize somebody to not feel fear? It sounds like so easy, doesn't it? Oh, I can just hypnotize a person who doesn't feel any fear. The thing is that that's a physiological response 
it's a very hardwired response to stimuli. So we're hardwired to be afraid of fear, of uh, fire, of snakes, of spiders, of loud noises, a very different thing. So from a survival perspective, if I could take away that feeling of fear, it wouldn't be beneficial to you as a, as a human being in this body that you're in. Now, some spiritually more advanced people don't identify as much with the body. Those people, maybe they can eliminate that feeling of fear and it's very helpful for them. But those of us that are still kind of identifying with the physical body, keep in mind that we're, we're a human being, but we're also kind of a human animal. I mean, we are responding to things uh, that the mind says we should be afraid of. It releases hormones. It causes a physiological response. If it's really bad fear, you might even get a panic attack. All of that is part of the human physical body experience. So the answer to your question, not really. <laughs> no, it's just, it isn't helpful for the body to do that. Has the pandemic increased your clientele? Uh, it has increased the clientele. It's, it's changed the types of services that people are calling about. So I do both hypno hypnotherapy and in intuitive reading, psychic readings. When I first started, maybe, you know, this time two years ago, maybe one quarter of my business was psychic readings and, the, and three quarters was hypnotherapy. And then it shifted during the pandemic. People really just wanted to know if they were going to be okay. So I was getting maybe three quarters psychic readings and one quarter hypnotherapy. And so it's shifting back. But my business did increase, but also it, it shifted in what people were asking about. Interesting. I would have thought actually that more people would want to be hypnotized to not be afraid of the pandemic rather than. I would thought just, I thought that too. But, but, Honestly, but, but, but I did. instead they just want to just, like, just tell me, just tell me it's going to happen. Exactly. Tell me. <laughs> and honestly, you would be surprised how many. Should I be dating Bob or Bill questions I got? I mean, really, during the pandemic, should I be dating this guy or that guy? Should I, what about my trip to Hawaii? Am I going to be able to go? What about getting on the plane? I mean, it, it was just kind of a lot of very mundane things that really had people upset. Are we going to, am I going to run out of toilet paper? I mean, you know, people in some ways got very practical. I personally thought my schedule was going to get full of anxiety, which is like anybody who's suffering with anxiety. Hypnotherapy mm -hmm. is like one of the quickest fixes, like even the most brand new hypnotherapist can probably help you with that issue. So I hate to see people use medication for that because it's just so easy, such an easy fix. That's my little side tangent. But I thought my schedule would get full of those and it didn't. Instead, hmm. people wanted to know if they if their pandemic boyfriend was going to work out, if he was the one. I got a lot of that. <laughs> I was watching, <laughs> actually, just before we logged, started talking, I was watching your uh, free video for anxiety mm -hmm. on your website. Um, I have to say your voice matches that music perfectly. I pay for the rights of that music. I'm just telling that right now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very well done. And, and, Thank you. and your voice sounds, it, it just, it works the way you have your voice in the music going. Love it. Thank you for that. Go to the website. It's free, free video. I give that away. You know, that was a great one because it's, you know, it's a good meditation to just get out of anxiety and it's, it's quick, simple fix. And totally what is, free. What is your website? Soulconnecthypnotherapy.com. Thank you for that. Soulconnecthypnotherapy.com. <laughs> or if you can't figure out how to spell hypnotherapy, which I'm not going to lie, every once in a while I spell it wrong, just go to jillkthomas.com. Jillkthomas. Because I figured out my name is actually easier to spell than hypnotherapy. Jillkthomas.com. Yeah, I could not Same spell. Same website. I can't spell hypnotherapy on the fly. I have to <laughs> use spell check for that one. 
I realized that after. So for those of you who are out there who want to start a hypnotherapy business, I want you to just acknowledge a lot of people can't spell that word. So use your name. <laughs> um, with the past life regression, uh, how do you know that the information like how, how do you know a person's telling the truth? Like I have a guy who comes on regularly. Uh, you can even check out his episodes. You probably like his episodes. His name is uh, Stephen Sacularius. And he says that in a past life, he was Matthew Whittier, which was a writer. And when he was a writer in a past life, um, Charles Dickens stole Christmas Carol from him. And Edgar Allan Poe stole the raven from him. That's a great story. I also had somebody on too who is a hypnotherapist who says that she found the guy who the reincarnation of Thomas Jefferson. Really? Yeah. Was it a woman? It would be awesome if no, it, was it was like a was black a woman living in Virginia. <laughs> yeah. That would have just been great. I, you know, I love stories like that. And and I hope that it's I hope it's true because it's a great story. But, you know, can we tell uh, the answer, depending on which hypnotherapist you ask, but the truth is you really just don't know. You know, I have a client hypnotized. They're giving me lots of detail. I'm getting a full name. They're getting, giving me a really good story and they're telling me they're Cleopatra. They really believe it. Maybe they're channeling Cleopatra. Maybe they're one of her ladies in waiting and they really just had a real affinity with her and there's something to this. Can I tell for sure 100%? No, I really can't. The client can't either. But what I will tell you is that usually when we're in that state, there's something to be learned from it. Usually when I'm having a client in that place, Cleopatra, well, I think Cleopatra was a real example. I really did have a client like that, convinced they were Cleopatra. In this case, I was asking the client, as Cleopatra, what is it you want her to know that she needs to know about what's going on in her current life. And the advice that came through was so beautiful. It was about love. It was about honoring yourself and dating guys that were worthy of you. And at the end of the day, it really didn't matter, right? Because mm -hmm. what she was getting was all heart centered. It was good information. And if she really wanted to believe she was Cleopatra in a past life, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference, but what she got was so much more valuable than just a name. So the answer to your question is we can't really know. There's no ticker in the bottom of the screen. There's no, uh, you know, line of words that means it's real and, and something that means it's not. It just, some ways, just really doesn't matter. As an as an intuitive mm -hmm. and a hypnotherapist, do you ever use both at the same time to verify information? Oh, yeah, all the time, absolutely. You know what I can feel is when the client, it's here's here's to say if the client genuinely believes that at their core, it's hard to feel different because I'm tuning into them, right? I'm mm -hmm. feeling them. Then it's it's going to be a little harder to determine that it wasn't real. But I've never done one of those and had the the client come out of it and, and thought that they made the whole thing up because I really haven't felt that. I felt that what they experienced was real, whether it was what they thought it was. That's different. Usually, and quite frankly, usually you don't get names. Usually you don't get a full name. You usually mm -hmm. don't get, you know, Jill Thomas. You usually are going to get a first name. You might get a location. You might get a year. But you don't always get last names like that. Do you think it's possible that each of us have li has lived every life possible? So everybody has been everybody at some point. 
I think it's a little bit like a play and we've all played every part. So every one of us has been the bad guy. Every one of us has been the victim, if you want to call it that. Every one of us has been the perpetrator. Every one of us has been the guy holding the gun who robbed the bank. Uh, every one of us has done things that are un unconscionable. Every one of us has done things that are incredibly wonderful and beautiful. As far as if I think we've lived everything that could already be lived and that's it, no, I think there's more. I think I do believe very strongly that we're living more than one lifetime at the same time. So I do believe in the parallel lives theory. I've seen that happen too many times in past life regressions that started showing up right away with clients not actually going back to a past life, but going back to another life they were living in another state. So to answer your question, I don't believe that we've lived everything yet, but I will say that if you're looking at a play, you have played every part. And most people think, well, wait, I'm so spiritual now. How could I have been, how could I have been a rapist in a past life? Well, maybe that was part of your spiritual growth, or maybe there was some aspect of that that you needed to learn that was part of your development. Uh, we have to set aside judgment because that's really just not how it works. So um, could you tell if I was a pirate in a past life? If you think you were, you were. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so there's no reason for you to just <laughs> think that. I mean, you learn lots of pirates, right? Yeah. Yeah, then you were. If you have an affinity to that, if you have an interest in it, I can tell you how you can tell you've never been something. If there is no interest whatsoever, it's never been on your radar. Hmm. Probably not. So then I was definitely at least some type of outlaw. Of course. Yeah, and I'm kind of seeing it now. You definitely were. Yeah, I'm kind of seeing it now. No, because I'm tuning in a little bit. I'm getting it for sure. But I will tell you, the people who are asking that question are yelling at the place where they listen to their podcast and say, but was I this? Was I that? Yeah, you were. I'll just answer it for you right now. Totally. You were. I'm psychically telling you right now, you were. There you go. Because if you have an affinity mm -hmm. of it, you absolutely were. Interesting. And for things I don't have an affinity for, I probably wasn't. Possibly you weren't, or maybe you, you did it and it just didn't resonate. You know, there was no strong impression, didn't leave an impression on you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you were a tribe in Africa, nothing remarkable happened in that lifetime. You know, you know, there's no reason for you to, to put a lot of energy onto it. Maybe not. Um, have you done any hypnosis therapies um, with alien abductees or experiencers? I have never gotten a call on that every once in a while somebody run you know calls me who thinks uh, they might have been i've had two clients I, I take that back i've had two clients who came in thinking they were and this is when i first started doing it and both times both times the person turned out to have been molested as a child and their mind turned that molester the person that committed the crime into an alien uh, having said that, I don't want to minimize anyone's experience. I do believe that that has happened to people. I do believe that there are hypnotherapists, or actually I know that there's hypnotherapists who specialize in working with those kinds of clients and the, and the fear and the upset associated with that. Uh, and good for them. I am not one of them. But the times that I have seen, I, I just recalling two people who came in and in both cases, one of them was like 10 and was raped by his neighbor and his mind your human mind is so amazing. And, and when you're dissociating from the experience, you kind of leave the body a little bit when you're going through that kind of upsetting event, his mind turned it into an alien and blocked out that thing. And he remembers this dark blotch of time spirit, but doesn't remember what happened. So when we went back and opened that door, that's what he was saying. 
have you come across any star seeds, people that were uh, like Pleiadians or Syrians in past lives? Oh, I've gone across a lot of people who are who are that now, who are part of, who've got those kinds of DNA in them. Uh, I've not had somebody who wanted. Here's the thing about past lives. I am absolutely convinced that many people listening to this, including myself, are one of those or have that DNA within them. But when you're doing a past life regression, your mind has to show you symbols and things that you can relate to. So when we're doing a past life regression, it's kind of rare to see something that is really foreign to the person who's doing the regression because the mind is actually recycling imagery. Uh, so for example, an odd example of a client who had just watched that show Rome. I don't know if you remember that show on mm -hmm. HBO. It was a great show. He was recalling imagery that was really similar to what he'd seen in an episode of that show. And he thought he'd made the whole thing up because it was similar imagery, but the mind was just using the imagery from the show because maybe that's really what it looked like, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I absolutely think there are a lot of people here now on the earth who have that DNA, who are hybrids, who've got that energy within them. But I'm not sure that when we're doing a past life regression, the person will actually go back to being a Pleiadian in a past life only because I think it's hard for the mind to comprehend what that looks like. Right. Cause if you were to ask me, what is it, what is a Pleiadian's life? Like I couldn't even describe it to you. Even if I've read a lot of books on it, I couldn't right. really describe. And I certainly couldn't even in trance describe it in any detail, even if I was just making it up. So I think our mind works in a similar way. Interesting. Um, why do we not remember our past lives to begin with? Well, it'd be really confusing, you know, like my dad, I'll give you a real example. My dad murdered me in a past life that came up in a regression. Now, do we, is it helpful for me to remember that every day when I'm seeing him? He's not, he's not a murderer now. right? It's, I don't think it's really helpful. I think it would tend to interfere with our agenda. So for example, if my agenda in this lifetime is to help people uncover uh, unconscious blocks to their success, is it helpful for me to remember that I was a prostitute in a past life that used to steal money from, from my clients? You know, is that, is that helpful? It could only interfere. It's just, it's almost like it's just too much information. I know that there's other mechanisms in place. I know that for spiritual envelopment, it's probably better not to remember all of that stuff. But I, I do think the bigger reason is because it really would interfere. And also I might judge it, you know? We all would judge it. If you could remember the lifetime where you were mowing people down with a machine gun, would, would it be helpful for you? Or would you just feel guilty? I think I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I want to know everything. Everything <laughs> that awesome. I've done, I want to know. <laughs> you say that, but if you got a download of all that information, it might be too much for you. I don't know. Not just you personally, so. but I feel like most people would find it hard. But maybe maybe not you. I'd, I'd be happy to be wrong on that one. <laughs> um, so with the um, – so, so with the star seas, do you – I mean, actually, different question. Forget that. Have, have you ever hypnotized anybody – who may have been possessed by a spirit or a demon. No. No? No. I. This is one of those things that's a little controversial even within these different communities because there's different belief systems around possession, people coming in and taking over somebody's bodies. You know, I think most, a lot of the time that 
quote, possession is actually more the client's own shadow self, the client's own dark aspects of their own personality has kind of come in and, and, and is fighting with them. Um, but I have not run across that. And I don't work with that because it's not part of my personal belief system. I just don't, you know, I'm not naive enough to say that nothing, there are things that just never happen, but I don't believe that this kind of possession experience, the way it's described is somebody coming in taking over your body and all of that. I, I think a lot of times when you talk to those people and not all of them, but sometimes when you talk, there's some darker things about their own personality that they really should be working on with, with the spiritual healers as well. Um, but I, I haven't had the experience that other people have had. So maybe I'm not the right person to answer that question. Uh, I, I think too, that is probably just a dark people. I think sometimes don't want to accept the darker parts of themselves. And sometimes I think the harder you fight it, um, I don't know, the more insidious it becomes and tries to express itself. There might be something to that. Absolutely. I think that shadow work, when you work with clients, and I don't do that work, but hypnotherapists that do, I, you know, this is, it's like getting a massage on a wound and an arm that's got a big knot on it. It's very difficult and yet very helpful at the same time to look at those darker aspects of your own personality and acknowledge them, you know, acknowledge that, you know, I'm not always a nice person. And sometimes I think things about people that aren't very nice, you know, that that's just the beginning of it, but everybody's got that part of their personality. And we try and stuff that down and say, I'm only going to focus on the positive. I'm only going to look at the positive things without acknowledging that sometimes things really aren't you're feeling ways that are not so positive and not so happy working with a therapist or a counselor on that type of thing is very, very helpful. Um, have you ever come across somebody who could not be hypnotized? No, everybody can be hypnotized. Technically the only people that can't be hypnotized are uh, ones uh, who are of lower IQ. I mean, they've, they've run experiments on this. They found that the lower the IQ is, it's harder to hypnotize. But no, everybody can be hypnotized. I will say that there are certain groups of people, engineers, scientists, who think they can't be hypnotized because they they perhaps associate hypnotism or being able to be hypnotized with being less intelligent, but that's actually the opposite. <laughs> engineers and scientists are very easy to hypnotize because they have the ability to focus on something for a long period of time and focus on it deeply. But they're the first ones to say, I wasn't hypnotized because I didn't feel any different. It's, it's because they don't realize they hypnotize themselves all day long. You know, when they're focusing on things, for clients or anybody who plays video games, hypnotizes themselves, you focusing on video game for a few hours and you don't realize like 24 hours has gone by, that's a hypnotic state. So when you're focusing on something very intently, so much so that the world disappears, that's a hypnotic state. And scientists and engineers do that all day long. Is there a difference between a person that is be, is suggestible or you know they're able to take suggestions easily and somebody who's just plain gullible? Hmm. I think that's a good question. I easily suggestible. I think there's an element of trust in both cases. So for example, a client, sometimes the first time they see me, they don't know me yet. There's not always the established trust. So they sometimes won't let themselves go really deep the first time. But in terms of being more suggestible and being more gullible, I would say that person who's more, what we would call gullible tends to be more trusting. And maybe it's because their experience with other people has been really positive, but you know, maybe you or I have had some experiences with people that wasn't so positive, And so we don't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
So how do you get people into the hypnotic state? I know there's different, I've seen all different types of techniques. You know, I've seen the visualizations where you're walking downstairs and Mm -hmm. you hit the movie screen and watch the screen and see what happens. I've seen other ones where, you know, a guy will just like tap your arm and it's supposed to like, you know, it's like, it's almost like a distraction. And they'll, while they're tapping their arm, they'll ask you a question and automatically they get the information they need. And then there's sort of like the NLP technique too, the, you know, the, the neuro linguistic programming. Um, do you use all those techniques or do you use a specific technique? I like, I like the stairs. I like uh, the first one you described, imagining people going downstairs. Um, I don't know how to do that, that tap on the shoulder technique. I think the tap on the shoulder technique that I've seen videos of this and I'm like, I don't know if that really would work, but I, you know, obviously the, the, the videos don't appear to be fake. So I don't know that particular technique, but I will say that the NLP, which is just a way of wording things. So asking a question in a way that causes the person to feel compelled to answer the question. Um, I don't necessarily use, I mean, I use a little bit of it, but it's, I tend to want my clients to be very aware of what I'm doing because, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional. I want them to remember everything. I don't want to take them so deep down the stairs that I don't remember the session. I'm kind of proud of what I do. I want to, I want them to remember that. Oh, I remember that dragon you had me imagine. Remember the one that ate all of my problems and, and pooped out gold. I want them to remember that. (laughs) So most of us use a combination of techniques and tools. And I will say something that clients don't really realize is that even a very light state of trance can be very therapeutic. So this is why watching, watching TV commercials always makes me nervous because there's a lot of like blinky flashy things on the screen. If you ever watched a child watch TV, you can see the way they're just, they look like a zombie. I'm concerned about these blinky flashy things and how the impact of that is going to have on people long-term. Uh, and I don't use that technique. I don't have any blinky flashy things in my office, <laughs> but to answer your question, I think anybody can be hypnotized and most of us use several techniques. The, the TV commercials. TV yeah, it does in, make me nervous. TV in general. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's mind control? I mean, the constant repeating of the same thing so much that it just gets into people's heads to the point where they can't get it out. I mean, we and can call it mind real. control. Yeah, we can call it mind control because it, it's, it's hard because each of us knows that networks have an agenda, Right. Some of them are very liberal. Some of them are very conservative. There really isn't any unbiased news. I, I don't think, I, I'm happy to be wrong about this, but it's hard to find any news that doesn't have some kind of a bias That's on true. it. Um, mind control, use, calling it mind control is one way of putting it. I mean, just think about a jingle, you know, for a TV show and you get this thing in your head and it's hard to leave. But I've heard jingles and I've not bought the product. So it has to do with what takes and what doesn't. Um, I'm really concerned. I'm picturing one particular commercial. I think it was for Skittles. That has a lot of blinky, flashy things. And I don't like the way that particular commercial, that particular technique gets into people's brains. And now you associate Skittles with certain feelings and emotions. That's when I really feel like it's very detrimental. And I don't like the way people don't realize that's what's happening. I, I would say with most people, it's very helpful for you to pay attention to what your influence is. For example, I love the Tour de France. It's on right. It's on right now at the time of your recording. I love that program because when I watch it, I feel peace. 
I watch the play, the, the writers, I get to experience France. I feel such peace when I watch that. But then if I watch the news, I feel awful, right? I would encourage anybody listening to pay attention to those feelings. What makes you feel peace and what makes you feel awful? And look at the kinds of programs that make you feel good and ones that make you feel bad or that go against your personal values or beliefs because watching too much media of any kind will can interfere with your intuition because it helps, it influences how you feel about a particular issue. For example, all of you listening are intuitive. I know you are, I can just tell right now. Watch an issue on the news and then try and come up with your own feeling about what really happened, right? So if we know that some particular event happened, something blew up, maybe something blew up, right? If you try and tune in, like, how did that happen or what really caused it? There's a different feeling than, than what the news might tell you. And if you watch the news after, you might be swayed to feel differently about it because of the blinky, flashy things on the screen, the tickers on the bottom of the screen. It can be a way to highly influence people uh, and feel differently about the situation. So I would encourage people to do less of it and just pay attention to what shows make you feel bad and what makes you shows make you feel good. Hmm. Do you think it should be avoided just completely? I'm not going to avoid it. No. There's a show on HBO that I love. It's called The Warrior. I'm not going to miss out on season three when it comes out. I'm not missing that. I'm not doing that. No way. When the Matrix comes out, the new one, I'm going to be the first in line to buy a ticket. I'm not <laughs> encouraging anybody to miss out on these great things. I'm going to watch the Tour de France until it ends. It's probably going to be ended by the time you, you guys hear the show, but and don't tell me what happens. But, you know, it's, I'm not giving up on anything. I would just encourage you, watch less. Avoid commercials if you can, because that's what that little DVR thing is for. It's great. And uh, and pay attention to what, what shows make you feel good and what make you feel bad. Do you think that music can make, heavy metal music can make people kill people? I think in the hands of somebody who's mentally ill, lots of things can make people do things that are not nice. I wouldn't blame heavy metal in particular. I mean, I love Metallica. I'm not going to say that, they, that they've done anything wrong. I don't want them to go away. <laughs> but, but I think when somebody is genuinely mentally ill, um, maybe the resonant frequency of something that's of a lower vibrational frequency, like a, a musical program that's not good, that's, not, that's really negative in tone, is just going to match where they already are. And so if they played it before they did something really bad, somebody blames the music, and I don't really think it's the music. I think it's just that's where they, where they were already. And, and maybe it went along with that. Okay. So, so it's just sort of background music to the crime. <laughs> I think it's background music to the crime. Background music to the negative feelings that are in their head. When somebody is genuinely mentally ill, it doesn't take, and we've all met, well, hopefully we haven't all met people in a situation. When somebody is really in a bad place like that, they have the ability to be armed. It, it can take just a little bit to push them over the edge, but I would absolutely hesitate to say that we should ban heavy metal music. I mean, you know, I love Eminem. It's not, it's not heavy metal, but I love Metallica. We're not getting rid of that or Ramstein. And I think in the case of somebody who's mentally healthy, I don't see any reason why those programs would cause you to do anything bad. I've never felt like I wanted to listen to Metallica and then go do something bad. I've never felt that way. Most people are the same way. I would have never taken you for a Ramstein fan. I love Ramstein. <laughs> and I don't even know the words. I mean, he could be saying, you know, 
kill well if you said kill somebody named jill then i would probably catch that but yeah i don't i don't know what they're saying it's, it's great i have no idea what he says either but it is good music it's good music um with that kind of along those same lines with hypnosis could hypnosis be used to help treat some of the type of mental illnesses there are some mental illnesses with, where I, as a hypnotherapist, where it's not an appropriate fit. Um, so, for example, if a person has schizophrenia or if the person is bipolar, I do not have a medical degree. And that person should be seeing a psychotherapist. Some psychotherapists do hypnotherapy and it's a good tool for them. And I think it could be very beneficial in the hands of someone who knows how to use it that way. Uh, I would not be a good person to give a scalpel to because I don't know what to do with it, even if it's a very nice pointy tool. But if you don't know how to use it correctly with certain people, it it might not be beneficial. But I would say uh, in the hands of like a psychotherapist, someone who has bipolar disorder could very much benefit from hypnotherapy under the right circumstances. So absolutely. When you became a hypnotherapist, did you have to get certified? I did. I got certified. Um, there is no licensure in any state, not even just California. There's no licensure for us. I am also a member of the clergy, so I am also a reverend, um, because in, in my state and in many other states like this, if you're a member of the clergy, what I do skates along the edge of counseling, even though I don't really do counseling, and I do refer people to counseling who need it. I, I encourage counseling. I think counseling's great. Counseling, I, I love counseling. I've done counseling. It's great. Uh, so I'm a member of the clergy so that if, if anything, I ever s step into the spiritual guidance category with what I do, um, I'm, I'm covered as a member of the clergy. I'm giving spiritual advice. Wow. You know, I'm clergy too, so I could actually just put my podcast in that category. I never thought of that. Yeah. You, you know, I, what I do very often involves some spiritual guidance, but I, have done this long enough to know when somebody calls me or somebody emails me or I see them and it's not, they need to, they need to see a psychotherapist or they need to see a counselor of some kind. Mm -hmm. I am not shy about saying, Hey, this is not a good fit. I really would love to see you see a doctor for this type of thing. And most hypnotherapists are the same way. We don't want to work in the pool that we don't belong in, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's, it's, that's interesting. Like, like you will refer them to a therapist. But also, a lot of therapists will use hypnotherapy also. Yeah, I actually get a lot of clients from, from psychotherapists. And I'm glad. I'm glad because if the person is working with a psychotherapist or a counselor on some particular issue, and I know like this is an issue I usually work with clients on, it's great to see that they're going to their counselor so I can say, hey, take this to your counselor next time you see them. Because they'll, they'll refer them to me, like, like uh, people that are particularly afraid of driving or flying such an easy thing to do with hypnotherapy and it was just like one or two sessions such an easy fix and the person's going every week to a counselor and saying oh i can't drive my my family is so upset at me because i can't drive up to los angeles to see grandma that's such an easy thing for me to do but i can't help them necessarily with with the dynamic family dynamics of their marriage that's something the counselor can help them with but i can help them get in the car and drive to la <laughs> um how about smoking? I mean, oh, I know... Tough issue. I, I quit smoking. It was actually the hardest thing I ever did. It was, it was absolutely horrible. Um, I mean, do, do you do that? And what kind of success have you had with it? I don't do that because 
Here's why I get one call a year for this issue. And because I only get one call a year for this issue, it is not something I'm really good at. I am not going to have a client in front of me if I don't feel like I can help them. There are hypnotherapists who specialize in that and that's all they do. And if you are uh, smoking, if that's you're trying to quit smoking, go see one of them because there are people that have been smokers and used hypnotherapy to get rid of their smoking and they have a real sense of what that problem is like. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I couldn't even tell you what that feels like. Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't even be somebody you'd want to see for that, to be honest with you. But absolutely people, I, every day, not every day, once a week, I hear from somebody who says, oh, I quit smoking using hypnotherapy in some other state. It wasn't me because I didn't work with them on that issue. And I know that it's very, very helpful in detaching the associations and particularly because a lot of times when people are smoking, it's usually they're associating it with alcohol or they're associating it with taking a break. There's an association that goes along with it. So you have to shift the habit from um, if I'm at a bar, I'm always going to have a cigarette in my hand to just enjoying the company of the people around you and your, your alcohol, your beverage without having a cigarette in your fingers. So imagining that and that's one of the ways it's helpful. How about just addiction in general? Addiction that, in general. I know you've written a book about food and food is oh, yeah. an addiction. Oh yeah. I wrote an addiction with food. Food is actually, this can be a really tough issue to work with because the physiologically speaking, the brain lights up with the addiction of sugar. The places of the brain that, that flare when you have a piece of candy are the same places in the brain that share flare when you have cocaine. Um, drug addiction, any other drug addiction other than food addiction, which I work with all the time, uh, is out of scope for my business. I always send a person who's actually addicted to drugs to a psychotherapist and some of them do hypnotherapy as part of it. But I will say that addiction with food is something hypnotherapy can absolutely help with. I work with clients a lot on that issue. There is a physiological component. So as much as I would love to say, I can help you quit chocolate, you're physically addicted to it. It is something, there's a physiological response. You have to replace it with something else or replace the habit with something else or make something else feel better than having a piece of chocolate. Like the feeling of being thin or the feeling of buying a new bathing suit has to feel better than the idea of eating a piece of chocolate. That's got to be hard. It is hard. And, and to me, like the two are sort of connected, you know? Like when I'm not doing podcasts, I'm smoking angel dust and eating Reese's peanut butter cups. I love it. Um, <laughs> see, if you, if, if you were a client, I would say pick one of those to get rid of first to try and both do both at the same time would be unwise. But if you were trying to get rid of the angel dust, um, maybe you would shift to let's say marijuana or something less damaging in, in theory, less damaging. Mm -hmm. I don't know how da damaging the angel dust really is, but going and shifting from one to another and then looking at the physiological toll that has taken because a lot of times people and they've studied this, this is really interesting work that's been done on food addiction a lot of times people who are really addicted to food have a, a lack of dopamine or the dopamine receptors aren't working right in their brain and so they're not as happy without it and they use this product to help supplement their feelings so if those dopamine receptors the parts of the brain that are about love and pleasure are working properly, you might not need that substance as much. 
Interesting. By the way, I was actually joking about the angel dust and recently. Sure. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> I, but, I'm but, not about judging. Ha- however, though, when I was younger, I, I used to love drugs and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And then when I quit, I did kind of replace it with eating like these hostess apple pies and smoking cigarettes so and drinking tons of coffee. And then eventually I, I got rid of the apple pies. And then it took me a long time to get rid of the cigarettes. And now I just have coffee. I love coffee. I love espresso. It's one of the greatest things that was ever created, I think. Um yeah, if you're trying to wean off those products, it is good to go from one thing to another. There's a great book on food addiction that I would highly recommend everyone read because I just, I love it. And uh, it's not written by the publisher who did my book. So I hope they're not mad at me for saying this. Book's called Hooked by Michael Moss. He also did Salt, Sugar, and Fat. Um, but he he actually gets a lot into the science of how they they figured out how the brain is working. So I love, it's interesting when you give this example, I went from these these pies to this other product, to this other product. So you kind of worked your way down. I imagine that in that time when you were going from one hyper palatable food to another and working your way down to something more healthy, that your body was actually healing its dopamine receptors and getting to where you could feel better without having any of those things. I think so. It took a very long time. Mm -hmm. It took like seven years. But well, it sounds, sometimes it takes that long, you know, sometimes <laughs> it just does. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so with the intuitive part of what you do, how did you start doing that and learn how to do that? I have always been psychic. Um, I probably could have done that first, but I got more interested in the, in the hypnotherapy first in terms of doing it for a living. I've always seen spirit guides. I've always seen them around me. I've seen them around other people. I've always heard them talking. That has always been a part of my life. I would say that when I was in my thirties, <laughs> I'm not going to give my age, but a little bit ago, I started taking classes to develop my intuition. And I will say a little bit of training made me a lot better. Uh, but it just helped me to discern when I was receiving a true message and when I was receiving an ego message. So I've always been good at it, but training made me so much better. And then I started working in a metaphysical bookstore doing psychic readings. Um, if you want to get dropped into the deep end of the pool, <laughs> to do something like that, to learn how to do psychic readings quick and get answers quickly and see one client after another working at a metaphysical bookstore is a great way to start because it's one client after another really quick in rapid succession. So you have to learn how to throw off other people's energy fast. But that's, that's how I got started. That actually came first. Um, with the psychic abilities, are you like clairvoyant or clairaudient? Or do you have any specific Claire that you use? Or I think people get all- too hung up on those Claire's. I really do. I think people who are intuitive, they read messages in lots of ways. You know, I I get messages from clients, uh, spirit guides. I connect with the client's spirit guides and ask them questions. And I get, you know, answers from the client through that way. I also see images. I hear voices. I get a feeling about things. I would encourage anybody who's, who's intuitive not to get so hung up on those Claire's, you know, which one am I try to develop one. I think I'm more this. I want to be more that it always feels to me like you're focusing energy on the smaller picture rather than the bigger picture. I will say having had training from some great teachers that a little bit of training goes a long way because it just helps you to listen to your own voice and discern when something's correct and when something's wrong. And sometimes the practice of having someone in front of you 
answering, when you're giving information and feeling the difference between a, a message that's right and a message that isn't right is, is helpful. And that's one of the things that training really will give you, but I don't get caught up on the Claire's just, just let the Claire's go. Just let the Claire's <laughs> go. They're fine. It's fine. You're all of them. You're everybody's all of them, but one, you might be, one might come more easily in the beginning than others. Can you self hypnotize yourself to be more psychic? That's a good question. Um, can I do it? That's called, well, I would say if you're, to do it, to be more psychic is just meditation. It's just tuning in more to your own inner voice. I would say meditation is more like that. For me personally, when I've tried to hypnotize myself for issues, it's not that I can't hypnotize myself. It's that I don't always see the problem because it's too close to me, if that makes sense. I go to a hypnotherapist mm -hmm. because I, I go to Michelle Mache. She's great. I go to her and I say, I've got this problem and I think it's this, but is it really this? And then she turns it, she's like a cup. It's like that cup I gave you the example earlier. She picks it up, turns it around and says, hey, if you look at it this way, the crack's on the other side and it's really not about the club at all. In fact, it's not really a cup, it's a bowl. You think it's a cup, it's a, actually a bowl. That's why I feel like it's helpful to actually go to someone else, even if you could really hypnotize yourself deeply, which most people can't hypnotize themselves super deep because you kind of have to be a level of consciousness just to be able to do it. Um, it's just helpful to talk to somebody else about your problem and just let them look at it differently. Have you ever hypnotized anybody who had lived on Atlantis in a previous life? Absolutely. Past life aggressions, that comes up a lot. Atlantis and Lemuria, yeah, both of them come up a lot. That actually comes up a lot. Comes up a lot, especially with healers. I see a lot of healers. Hmm. Yep, lots of stories on that. So lots of people describing to me what it felt like to, to drown. Um, lots of people telling me, particularly Atlantis, that they knew it was going to happen, um, that it was that it was part of the plan, um, that they knew it was going to happen, and there was still some trauma around that. But absolutely. Do you think that people escaped Atlantis and went to Egypt, Africa, and North America? Yes, I do. I really do. I have not hypnotized somebody and had them tell me that, but when I've had visions of Atlantis. I've seen people escaping and going to different places. I do feel like history, gosh, the history books have so many things wrong, you know? Everything I think, is wrong with our history books. I, yeah, okay. Every, I mean, we could just say everything. I wasn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't there to witness all of those things, but I do think that we're saying that ancient man, uh, you know, couldn't even wipe their nose. And, <laughs> and we know that they could build ships that could go to Hawaii from Atlanta, you know, from all of these areas, I, I think we need to give ancient man a little bit more credit than we're giving him, you know? <laughs> he could do a lot of stuff. <laughs> but we're saying that they didn't have writing until certain periods of time now. I don't, I don't think that's right. I think there was a lot of information that, that we've been fed that isn't quite accurate. But I think everybody pretty much knows that. Do you think that that information is being hidden by religions and governments for a reason? It's... It's probably true that it is, but I would say that for me, focusing on that aspect of life just makes me mad. <laughs> you know? I, do, I actually feel like it's more helpful to say, okay, 
I understand that that's probably what's happening. I understand that governments are probably hiding information, that they're probably feeding us stories that aren't really true. But for me, what's going on in front of me is that I need to work on my own issues around money so that I can have greater prosperity. I need to work on my confidence so that I can be in public more. I need to work on my creativity so that I can be happier and share messages of love and joy. It isn't necessarily helpful for me as a person, and I think for most people, to spend a ton of time focusing on that part of it. Although I will say that some people really find that fun. I don't. If you find it fun, knock yourself out. Enjoy that. But I personally think it's more helpful to focus on the issues that are in front of you rather than the nefarious parts of being, of the government hiding information from us, which let's say, let's be honest, it's probably happening. Right. Yeah, I think it definitely is too. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give me an intuitive reading now that you've talked to me for an hour and got a good feel for me? Yeah, give me a second to tune in. Uh, also, I do need to have your real name. My name so is you... Gary Cacciolillo. Oh, give me one second. Let me turn it. Okay. I didn't think you'd want to say that. Everybody knows. Okay. That's why you always go on a real name. Oh, no. <laughs> it's helpful for me, Gary, if you have something that you want to know because your spirit guides. Sometimes when you say, just tell me what you want me to know, they're just like, what? what you know, there's a million things. Like, what do you want to know? Give me a second. Say your name for me again. Gary Cacciolillo. Okay. What do you want to know? I want to know what the future of this podcast is. Ah, Okay. Uh, it feels like it's going to get picked up by some kind of a syndication type thing. Um, I don't feel like it's going to happen tomorrow, although it could. It feels like within the next year, you might very well get some kind of an offer if you haven't already for something like Sirius. It'll end up on like Sirius XM. It feels like they've got a channel that they're looking to expand some lineup. I do feel like that's going to happen. I do feel like you're going to get some help from some people who are going to help you with marketing and advertising doing it in a different kind of way maybe than you've already been doing it and it feels like that's going to happen fairly soon within the next three months guys are ton- funny because they don't necessarily some of them haven't had a body so like trying to get time out of them is a little tough but it feels like that's closer in your aura and it's a new way of marketing it feels like there will be more aggressive and i can even feel you like i don't want to market that way it seems so phony and so fake but you just take the money <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do it anyway nobody's gonna call you a sellout <laughs> i can feel you like i don't want it's a sellout no i think it's uh i think it's gonna be really really good and really strong it's gonna really kick off when this other outlet this other listening forum comes in i do feel like there's another listening forum in the next two years that's not on the radar right now because it hasn't really been built and it's out of another country could even be china some other f- listening forum that's going to come up that's new where your channel is, your, your show is going to start being listened to from people in, in other, other parts of the world. Cool. Will I find the lost cave of GE Kincaid? Your guide is laughing his ass off right now. Um, why does that matter to you? It's just an obsession. It's always been an obsession of mine. Nobody's, I mean, people have said they've found it. And it's something that I believe it was discovered. It will change human history. Okay, so it feels like you're on the right track. It feels like you're kind of zeroing in on it. What I'm seeing is that you're looking at a map right now, and you're like, it can't be there, but there's a part of you that says, I think it's there. 
I think it's in this place that you, you're just like, it, it feels like it's right, but I'm not hundred percent sure. It does feel like you may find it, but I, I'm oddly, what I'm getting is that you may find it, but you may not find what you're looking for within the cave. Does that make sense? It I don't does. know what the key. key I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of expect maybe to be able to find the cave, but I don't expect there anything to be there. I Whatever it is. I don't think it's going to be there anymore. Yeah. I think it was already taken out. Mm-hmm. Will I? Traveled to the secret base in Antarctica in a submarine. Okay, this I'm just telling you what your guide says. The guy says you've already been there, but you don't remember it. I don't know about the submarine. He's not saying anything about the submarine, but it feels like, it feels like you've already been there. You've traveled to it. Uh, you were asleep, quote asleep, air quote asleep, when you went. It feels like, but I'm I'm getting a hard answer that you've already been there that's why the affinity is there there's some memory around it there's some vision that you've had of this place and this is what the interest is about and it does feel like you've already been there wow um let's see if i can think of anything else here um, try and ask me a question that's weird i'm just kidding <laughs> oh you want a weird question no i'm just i'm just <laughs> None of those questions were strange. <laughs> Secret base in Antarctica? I'm like, I'm really asking a spirit guide about that, and they're giving me an answer that makes sense? Great. Okay. Love that. Okay. Have I ever been abducted by aliens? Yes. They were screaming that one. Yes, yes, yes. Really? But they're saying you agreed to it before you came into the body. Um, you absolutely were. You don't remember. You were a little boy. I'm seeing that you actually kind of made a connection with one of the interplanetary beings. I hate the word alien. I'm from Southern California. I don't think people should be called aliens, but uh, this interplanetary being, it feels like you made kind of a friendship. And I do feel like they still come visit you and say hello, but, but for the sake of you not getting too weird or too weird about it, you don't remember, but I can see that this other interplanetary being kind of like, Hey, we have the equivalent of coffee sometimes. And he just doesn't remember because <laughs> I, I use my little special tool. He's not, he's kind of jokingly calling it a Reagan, but I know that's not what he calls it. He's laughing. Your spirit guide is funny. Um, this interplanetary being is showing me that there's some, some tool that he uses to keep you from remembering because it's not really helpful, but he says that, you know, he does this every time and that it's kind of o- agreed upon. Um, even though I can hear that part of you is like, well, I would totally agree to this. I don't know why it's not fair, but he's saying that you on the, when you guys do have these little coffee play dates, you do agree. You do agree that this is the right thing to do, but I do feel like there will be a time when you're going to remember all of these, when this disclosure comes up, it will be in the next few years, I would say. And then you may even write a book about it. Wow. Interesting. But you've got a buddy who does Who's a, what we might call an alien an interplanetary being who comes visit you and you guys made friends when you were kids, when you were a kid. Cool. Will I find Bigfoot or evidence? They're telling me you already have that. You found some evidence of it, but you didn't know that's what you were looking at. Hmm. That's weird. I see you absolutely finding little bits of things here or there, creating like a Bigfoot collection. Um, what I also get, though, because you're not the first person to ask me that question, what I have gotten, and I've gotten this before when people have asked this question, is that that science is never going to say, yeah, there's a Bigfoot, and you found it. You know, it's it's not, science isn't going to jump up and say, yep, yeah, I know we've been telling you all along that there was no Bigfoot, but there really is, and we've pretty much known it the whole time. So, yeah, I don't think that's really going to happen the way you'd like it to. <clears throat> Will my wife stay with me 
as I pursue all these crazy adventures. I will tell you that your spirit guides are not allowed to answer certain questions. Um, <laughs> I will say without getting into trouble with your wife, that she loves you a lot, um, that she has a great respect for you and your, your kind of quirky things. That's my word. That's not really her word. Although she might use that word. Um, I will say that you'll need to, to be conscious and aware of giving her more things that, that matter to her. So if she wants to take a vacation to Hawaii once in a while, that's where you're going. And it doesn't matter what else is going on. That's going to happen because that's your share of this agreement. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. she's okay with you going hunting for Bigfoot for three months and see in Washington, right? As long as you do the things that matter to her sometimes. So, so you may have to go to the symphony once in a while. You may have to go to Hawaii once in a while. I'm not, I'm using those as examples, but they may not be the real example. Whatever matters to her, just make sure you throw that into the mix too. And I think you will create more harmony and, and also more talking. <laughs> <laughs> More of the chatty chatty. Those things are easy for me to do. I actually kind of like good, good. Love doing it. little things to make her happy. Love it. So that's good. Um, am I a spiritual being or am I just an outrageous pirate? Why can't you be both? I don't know. Maybe I could Something be. Nothing wrong with being, why not be both? Just be both. Be an outrageous spiritual pirate. Do I have psychic abilities? Everybody has psychic ability, but absolutely you do. Yes. Everybody does. People get intuitive messages all the time. People hear their spirit guides all the time. They just think they're making it up. The thing is, especially with the spirit guides, I just give you some insight on this one. People think they're not hearing their spirit guides because it's their own voice, right? So your spirit guides love you. They are not going to go into your head and you're not going to hear some creepy dude voice. It sounds like somebody who smokes three packs of cigarettes a day telling you that everything's going to be okay. Right. I can't even do that voice. Your spirit guide information is always going to sound like you. They will even use phrasing that you use. They will um, reference TV shows that you watch. If you like, if you like the Simpsons, they may show you an episode of Simpsons that has some message that you're supposed to have that comes through the show or South Park. I love South Park. Yeah, Spirit guides talk to you all the time. You get intuitive hits all the time. It's just that most of us say, I don't believe it, or I'm making it up, or I think that was just me. Yeah, it is you. It's your spirit guides talking through you. I have spoken with another psychic, and I had mentioned a story about where um, I had taken, I, had, I was having trouble sleeping, and I had taken too much melatonin. And I had sort of like a, a hallucination thing where um, I saw three Mexicans sitting around a table smoking cigars and playing poker. And they were talking in Spanish. I couldn't understand what they were mm -hmm. saying. She said that they were my spirit guides. Uh, three, spirit three, guides three, three Mexicans smoking cigars and drinking tequila. I love that. I mean, wouldn't that be so cool? I They don't show themselves to me that way. But wouldn't it be funny, though, for your spirit guides to, because especially if you, I don't know what your background is, but let's say you come from a really religious background, and you would expect your spirit guides to look like St. Peter, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be funny if it, if they showed up as, as three dudes smoking cigarettes and drinking a tequila? I mean, don't you think your spirit guides would have a lot of fun with that? Oh, absolutely. They, they will show up in ways 
that are irreverent. They'll say things that are irreverent. Um, I think your, your spirit guides were just having a little bit of fun with you, but absolutely. I think that absolutely could have been your spirit guides. That's not how they show themselves to me, but because they've got a different message today than they had that day. Mm -hmm. Um, do my spirit guides ever get frustrated with me? They don't feel emotions the same way we do. I would say that kind of asking that question, they, they say that they don't really get frustrated as much as they, they want you to be happy. And so when you're going down the, the wrong path and you know it, they're saying you always know it and you're doing things that taking you away from your joy, that they wish that that wasn't the case, mm. but you have free will and they wouldn't want to interfere with that. And they send you nothing but love. So in terms of frustrated, they don't feel that emotion in the same way that you might think. They don't have as wide a range of emotions as we do because we in a human body have a huge range of emotions they don't really have access to. One more question. Sure. Will my dog ever stop barking? (laughs) I love that dog. Are you kidding me? Uh, Your dog is very spiritual. Your dog is seeing uh, beings that don't have bodies. So to answer your question, no. And the reason is because the dog also has taken on the duty of being um, a protector for the house. And it's taken this responsibility a little too seriously, quite frankly, to my estimation. I haven't seen your dog, but I'm assuming he's a little bit littler than he thinks he is. I, I have is two, true? actually. Uh, I have one that's a, a small Frenchie, and then I just have a, a puppy Um I think he's an American bully or an American bulldog, but he's only like Aww. five months old. So he's not at his full height yet, but he's going to be big. Okay. So the, the Frenchie has been teaching the other dog things that you might not they want have. him to. I know he <laughs> you has. might not want him to. Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're not going to start barking. One of them, the Frenchie is absolutely seeing beings in your house without bodies. I'm not saying there's a ghost in your house, but I, there's, there's spirits without bodies around us all the time mm-hmm. and he's seeing them. And sometimes he barks at them. Sometimes he barks at the mailman. He's, he just feels like it's his job to protect the family in that way. And he's taught the other dog. So I, I, I'm not saying get rid of the Frenchie, but if the Frenchie wasn't there, I don't think the other dog would have done this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know he's bad influence. Sorry. But in a way, he's also a good big brother. Of course he is. He's family. He's love. They radiate love. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we wrap this up, well, actually, did I miss anything? Is there anything that you want to talk about that I may have missed? Because I just sort of just ran a whole gamut on <laughs> I love it. Um, There's one thing I could share with people because everybody, right? You know, there's some people listening right now who are going to say, I don't think I'm spiritual or I don't know about if I'm hearing my spirit guides. I will say that you are spiritual. You are intuitive. You can hear your spirit guides. You can be hypnotized. All the things you're sitting there in in self-deprecation saying, I can't do this. I can't do that. I could never. I wish I could. I'm no different than anyone else. I've just practiced connecting with my spirit guides. I've spent a lot of time doing it. Anyone can do this. Some people are going to be better than others, but you can do this too. So if you're a person saying, I would love to open a practice uh, doing psychic readings, or I would love to open a practice doing hypnotherapy, you can absolutely do this. This is absolutely part of your repertoire. It's just a matter of trusting and having faith in yourself and having faith in the process. And you are hearing your spirit guides. They talk to you all the time. 
that little voice in your head with your voice is sometimes your guides. So just trust in that and have a little bit more faith because you can do a lot more than you realize. Actually, I just thought of one more question. Okay. Do I astral travel in my sleep? Yes. I just hear that. I'm not. Yes. They're also telling me, I don't know what astral travel is exactly, but the guides was like screaming, like, yes, like, absolutely. Like, why are you even asking? That's so obvious. Um, when you're saying astral traveling, if you're asking if you're traveling to another planet, you are. I'm, I'm being shown Sirius and the Pleiades. I know that it feels like that real estate is different, but they're like, when you're asleep, you can do whatever. It doesn't, you know, us humans, we say, well, wait a minute, I can't go to New York and California at the same time. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So absolutely, you go to their planets all the time. You visit with your council. You visit with your uh, your group of souls that you reincarnate with a lot, that you have this, this sort of the tribe. There's five or six souls that you reincarnate with almost every single time. You visit with them. And, and sometimes you guys do a little blow by blow, like, hey, what's going on with your life, Bob? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm having this problem and that problem. Maybe I can help you with that. It feels like board meetings, almost like board meetings that you have to discuss what you've been working on. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely doing it. I feel like sometimes you wake up feeling like you've run a marathon because you kind of have. Mm-hmm. One more. <laughs> I keep yeah. thinking of them. It's <laughs> all right. Do I have any deceased relatives that are constantly hanging around me? I mean, I am seeing grandma that it, it feels like granny it may not be your actual. No, I think it's your actual grandma. I'm seeing two, a, two, a grandma and a grandpa that hang around a lot. One of them really likes the dogs. feels like grandma. Like she hangs out a lot for the dogs. It's probably why the dog's barking a lot. <laughs> um, you know, they can go and do whatever they want whenever they want. So sometimes they just go and check on in on you. Even relatives that you never met mm-hmm. will pop in because if you're doing something interesting, particularly if, and this is in general, but in particularly if you're doing something that they were not allowed to do that they wanted to do, this is true for entrepreneurs, particularly female entrepreneurs. A lot of times you'll have a dead granny or a dead great grandma who wanted to own a business, but was never allowed to popping in to watch your progress just because they're like, I wanted to do that. How cool is that that you're doing? This is awesome. So yes, you do have a couple of relatives that hang around a lot. Not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. They're just they just they're watching what you're up to. What is that mic for? What is this for? What is that? Why does he push this button? It's, it's super cool. Well, that's interesting because actually, like one of the things that my grandmother said to me, like probably the last thing she said, one of the last things she said to me before she passed away, she goes, she goes, "You're the only one in the family that's a lot like me." I love it. That's why she would hang out with you. It's like I like you know he's he's fun. He's more interesting. I do feel like there's an uncle ish. Mm, uncle-ish everybody has an uncle-ish like somebody that was called an uncle maybe mm-hmm. it was an uncle maybe it was your your mom's brother's cousin's uncle whatever uh you do feel like there's an uncle-ish he's always i feel like he's had a lot of alcohol I, he may have even died young 40 50 ish uh it feels like he did a lot of alcohol and a lot of like drugs um that that pops over a lot to sort of watch your life because you're doing some really interesting things mm. Uh, be almost everybody in my family. Yeah, uncle-ish. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. It's not necessarily an uncle. Everybody's got that guy, you know? Yeah. Cool. So before we wrap it up, where can my listeners find you? What's that website uh, go, again? Yep, go to the website, jillkthomas.com. Uh, check out the book, Tales from the Trance, from Ozark Mountain Publishing. 
It's a great publisher. You can get that on Amazon. Great book. It's actually on audiobook now because they just recently recorded it during the pandemic. They hired an actress who probably didn't have a whole lot else to do to record it. It's a beautiful voice. I know. I don't even know if they could have afforded like to get this level of actress if the pandemic hadn't been on and all these people were out of work. So I'm like kind of grateful for that part of it. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that it happened that way, but wow, how cool is that? On audio, if you want to listen to a voice that's even more beautiful than mine, uh, talking about the book, that's where you would go to Amazon to get it. Okay. And what's the other website? It's the same website. It's just one forwards to the other. It's just uh, soulconnecthypnotherapy.com. How do you uh, spell that? Case- <laughs> yeah. Go to, go to the Google. <laughs> you yeah, spell it jillkthomas.com. That's how you spell it. Yeah, or just go to Google and put in your name and go to it. That's how You know what the thing is? Jill Thomas is such a common name that I had to use the K just so that uh, I would differentiate. There's actually three Jill Thomases in the town that I live in. That happens with a lot of authors. That's why they have to use the middle yeah, initial. Yeah. See, yep. I didn't have that problem with my last name, Cacciolillo. I'm the only. Yeah, no, Ga- I imagine. I'm the only Gary Cacciolillo on the planet. See, there you go. You don't have to worry about it when you write your book. Nope. I already got one book out. Do you? Good for you. That's a lot of work. I understand. Yeah, it was so much work that I almost don't want to write another one. But I understand. I totally understand. <laughs> I just finishing up another book, and I will tell you, I've never, I've never been pregnant, but I can imagine that being pregnant is something like that because I was feeling pain every day writing this book. It was gut wrenching. It was very difficult. Yeah, but fun at the same time. <laughs> like I know it's something that I have to do eventually. Not so much because it makes money, but in, in this type of field, it's like it, it kind of validates your work, sort of. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not, I didn't write 50 shades of gray. I'll just be honest about that. You didn't? So in terms of money, it's not a lot of money, but it's, it's a lot of prestige. It got me on radio shows. Mm-hmm. It That's got it people does. to know about my, my work because of it. And I don't know how many people listened to me on a radio show, bought the book and then called me for a session because of it. A lot of people just heard the show and then book a session that way. So in the book, you know, it's a lot of work, but it is fun. It is very satisfying to write and have it be a one-sided conversation but yes it's a lot of work it also makes like for me too it's like like writing a thesis almost like it's like studying that material and getting to really know what i'm doing yeah i didn't write like that i didn't write those kinds of books nothing i've written has involved any research which is way easier (laughs) (laughs) it's just my opinion (laughs) Uh, but Tales from the Trans is really stories of client experiences of, you know, what I learned and what you can learn from client sessions. And there's some beautiful stories. And it, ultimately, it's about people understanding that we all kind of want the same things, even if we feel like going about it in a different way. But yeah, writing is it's a lot of work. It is. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to be on today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, that was great. And uh, just hang on for one second and I have to play my outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page www.everythingimaginable2020.com 
Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. And it's on Amazon. It'll change your life. Because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.